0: the adam crowley show i'm
1: with you and you know what that's an even better point than your cheese piece today and that's saying something because your cheese cheeses are unbelievable thank and you sir favorite thing on twitter adam crowley oh yeah cheese
0: yeah on espn pittsburgh <laughs> Mark Caballi and I are arguing on Twitter.com about the new lowering the helmet rule. He says that it won't be called as much in the regular season as it has been in the preseason. I couldn't agree more. Where he and I do disagree is I still think we're going to see a playoff game or a game with playoff implications come down to whether that rule is applied or not. I don't care if the rule is applied correctly or not. But the fact of the matter is, that rule will be in effect this year. Flags will fly. Games will be affected by something that wouldn't have affected them last year. We'll talk to Mark about that coming up at 520. you found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412 922 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Tell your kids. Tell your wife. We're doing radio up in here. Brian LaMartina sitting across from me. Check him out on Twitter at FBomber73. Shirtless Tom behind the glass. You can check him out on the Twitter.com at ButtonPusher970. As we have stopped doing of late. That's not how I wanted to say that. We haven't been doing something lately we're going to do today. And that's we get pissed off on Mondays. We ran for 30 seconds about things that drove us crazy throughout the weekend or just things that have been bothering us in our lives. And we'll do that at the end of this segment. We'll do it at the end of the 5 o'clock segment and at the end of the 6 o'clock segment. So do please stick around for that. And you feel free to tweet us what's pissing you off. Feel free to call us and tell us what's pissing you off. You know what's pissing me off? Steelers defense. Mike Tomlin has been the guy since Dick LeBeau... Departed When he was officially, unofficially retired by the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mike Tomlin was going to have a bigger hand in the defense. Uh, Even though Keith Butler was the defensive coordinator, is the defensive coordinator, it's Mike Tomlin's show. And while the numbers haven't looked that bad for Mike Tomlin's defenses in terms of where they wind up ranking in the National Football League... There's a lot that we don't have to like about the way the last four years have gone. And Mike Tomlin deserves to finally start to get heat for it. And I know that half of the starters didn't play in the preseason game a couple of days ago. But the ones who did play didn't play well enough. And this is going to sound ridiculous. But the third preseason game? I need to see something. I need to see that the defense is actually going to look better than what it did last year. Because right now, I'm very fearful that it's going to be the same defense that we saw last year. There are some different pieces. Morgan Burnett is, you'd think, better than Mike Mitchell. But the angle he took on a big play in the Packers game makes me scratch my head a little bit. You'd think that the defense would be better because you add pedigree in Terrell Edmonds. But Terrell Edmonds gave up a couple of touchdowns in the last game in the preseason. I can't tell you definitively today that this defense is better than last year's, and that should scare you. It scares me. As for Mike Thomas deserving the criticism, in 2014, the Steelers drafted Shazier and Toowett in rounds one and two. Shazier got hurt, no doubt, but he wasn't hurt in 2014, 2015, or 2016. In 2015, they drafted Bud Dupree in the first round. In 2016, Burns, Davis, and Hargrave in one, two, three. In 2017, Watt in round one, Sutton in round three. Mike Hilton was very good for the Steelers last year, and Joe Hayden is a quality player in this league. They've got a bunch of talent. Now it's time for the talent to play well. Yeah, they were top ten in defense last year, but anybody watching that team knows that they really weren't. First six games of the season, they played their asses off. They were a good defense. In the Detroit game, they started giving up all kinds of big plays, and they gave up big plays the rest of the year. They gave up big plays in the Chicago game. This was before Ryan Shazier got hurt. Think about the playoff numbers the Steelers have been giving up recently. 45 against the Jags, 38 of them were defensive points allowed. In 2016, the Steelers gave up 36 against the Pats. In 2015, the defense was good all day against the Broncos until the 13-play, 65-yard drive that took over six and a half minutes off the clock. And Peyton Manning, he of noodle arm at that point, converted a third and 12. In 2014, they gave up 30 points at home to the Baltimore Ravens. Dick's not the guy anymore. Tomlin is a defensive guy. Tomlin was brought in after being the defensive coordinator of the Minnesota Vikings. He needs to get better from this defense. And I realized that yes, the Shazier injury did kill them. They gave up 11 more points a game without him. But at the same time, they were giving up a ton of big plays before that. I ain't down with it. It needs to be better on Saturday. So that I at least will feel better about it. I still won't feel good. But I need to know that if the eleven play, if the starting unit is out there, will they be better? Are you worried? You should be four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. The Pirates are starting Kevin Newman today for the first time since he's been called up. A lot of people are still paying attention to the Pirates, I guess, for whatever reason. But they're complaining. Why would you call up your young shortstop if he's not going to play? Let him get reps in Triple A. Yeah, I think you're all missing the boat here. You're missing the point. Kevin Newman has a week left at AAA Indianapolis. How many more at-bats is he really going to get there? So anything he gets at the major league level from this point forward is bonus time. But beyond that, I actually liked something that Neil Huntington said on his radio show, which was, quote, we're six games out of a wild-card spot fighting for our playoff lives, end quote. How about that? How good's that feel to hear? Now, are they really in the wild card race? I mean, are they really in it? No. Everyone and their mother's tied for second and first in the National League wild card right now. The Pirates are five and a half back. They're not really in it. If the Pirates win every series from here on out, and let's say they split their series that are four gamers, they'd win 86 games. That's not going to get them in. So it ain't going to happen. They're not going to do that anyhow. But that being said, I like the fact that they're acting as though in the play- they're in the playoff race. They go out and they get a Danny Echevarria. That means that they believe that they can win. They get Kella They think they can win. They get Chris Archer. They think they can win. And they're five and a half back. Mathematically, they're still in it. So they want to play their best players. But Danny Echevarria hasn't done anything lately to get ousted from the lineup. He's great defensively. And that's clear the second you lay eyes on him. That diving catch behind the bag a couple days ago was a thing of beauty. He's great defensively, and they need that because their defense stanks. Stanks. Terrible. Horrific. Awful. All the words you can think of, bad news bears, their defense is bad. He helps that. He's also been hitting since he's gotten here. He's not a great hitter, never has been in his career, but he is right now. So all you Pirates fans who are complaining, are you the Pirates fans that always complained that the Pirates didn't do enough to win? Are you the Pirates fans that say, oh, they're playing a prospect, they're putting that white flag up, they're saying it's the end of the season? Because if you were that guy before, how are you this guy now? Play the prospect. They finally have a good rotation, and they've been pitching great. They look like they've got a future. They look like they could be a good baseball team next year. With that pitching staff and some of the parts they have around it, they look like they could be good. See if Adani Echevarria makes sense for next year, and also he gives them a better chance to win right now. I'm okay with the fact that they make that move. They never did that before. Usually it's let's get the prospect in there. September always came before September for the Pirates. September's for the September call-ups. Well, the Pirates, let's give a guy a look here or there in August because we are not in this thing. They'd have already shipped out all their old, crusty veterans at this point in other seasons, so... I could see where the confusion would come in. But they didn't do that this year. They went for it, and in going for it, you have to stay committed through August when you're only five and a half back. Again, they're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to make the wild card. But it doesn't mean that they shouldn't shoot for it. Crazier things have happened, and if etchever is the guy, fine. Let him be the guy for now. Get Newman in from time to time and see if he can be a part of the future, but... Only if it helps you win baseball games. What are you going to do? Are you going to take Frazier out of the lineup at second base? No. He hits the walk-off homer. He's one of their only players who's playing real well. You can't take him out of the lineup. You're not going to take Echeverria out of the lineup because he's playing well too. What they wound up doing today is they moved Frazier to center field. Marte loafed on a ball. Maybe he's dinged up a little bit. I would hope he's dinged because if you pull the guy for loafing, Now you're just cutting off your nose to spite your face. But they pull him out of the lineup. They put Frazier in center. I probably would sit down Polanco the way he's been struggling, but they do finally give you what you want, and that's Hello Newman playing shortstop today. Second base. Same difference. He's in the lineup, damn it! A recent media report has come out that says James Franklin's overrated, voted on by, guess who? Other coaches. Hey, guess who's jealous? They are We'll get more into this coming up at 440. But James Franklin's led Penn State to -to back-to-back 10-win seasons and a conference championship, and they're starting this year in the top 10 in the Associated Press. This all coming on the heel, on the back end of restrictions to scholarship limits. You don't think that guy's a good coach? I don't know if you could name five coaches in college football that I'd rather have over James Franklin right now. I'll take Urban. Just kidding. Fire him into the sun. I would take Urban if it was all about football. You're going to take Saban, obviously. I might take Peterson out of Washington. That guy has done some amazing things at a school where people don't do things. And when he did at Boise, was outstanding. And there are other couple guys that are in the conversation, but James Franklin deserves to be in that conversation, not in the conversation of the most overrated coaches in the country. And trust me, I hate saying it because I don't like him, and I don't like Penn State at all. That's how you can trust my opinion. We've got Chris Adamski coming up in eight minutes on the show. He's a Penn State alum and a drooling Penn State homer. So when he says something along the lines of, James Franklin's one of the best... Eh, you take it with a grain of salt. When I, a self-proclaimed Penn State hater, says it, you know it's true. That's like if I said Pat Narduzzi's a good coach. I would never say that. But if I said Pat Narduzzi's a good coach, as the West Virginia guy, you know I was telling the truth. ESPN's new president says that ESPN needs to stay out of politics. It's not our jobs, end quote. Isn't it impossible when athletes that are being covered don't stay out of politics? How can you possibly not cover what the athletes are saying when you cover everything else they do off the field? Le'Veon Bell's at a strip club, and we report on that. So when a player has an opinion about the world that we live in, you're not going to cover that? Strip club, okay. Legitimate discussion point, not okay. Okay, I see where we are. Also, what constitutes politics? Race conversations often get put under the umbrella of politics, but too many, but to too many, it's just everyday life. We expect athletes to be great people off the field, right? That's the thing, A.B., going to the hospital, oh, what a douchebag, he's four and a half hours late. But then we don't want them to address what they're passionate about? How are they supposed to not cover the national anthem? How about if the president of the United States is tweeting about your league? You have to talk about it then? How are we supposed to not talk about the Me Too movement when it breaks into sports? And I know that's not politics, but a lot of people are making that political. Teams visit the White House. They march out veterans left and flipping and right. There's flyovers. There's military personnel everywhere. It's all intertwined. Sports and politics, man, it is an affair to remember. You're going to tell me we can't cover that? Bite me. All right, now it's time for everything you guys have been waiting for for a long time. I, it's been a long time since we've done this, since we've all been pissed, and we're going to do it every Monday at the end of the 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, and 6 o'clock segments. If you've got something to be pissed about, you hit us up at 4129-222874, or you tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley, at FBomber73, or at ButtonPusher970. Then on Fridays we'll do things that make us happy because the week's over. And that's when we're happy. Woohoo. But here's what's pissing me off today. Overly strong craft beers. I started my Saturday night with two 16 ounce craft beers. I didn't bother to look at the alcohol content, but who cares? It's beer. I can drink a thousand and be fine. Wrong. On top of the two craft brews, I drank six standard pea colored pilsners. I could drink a thousand of those and be fine, period. Not combined with the craft beers, though. I woke up in the morning, kissed my wife, and told her I love her before she pointed to the window that I urinated out the night before. No recollection. There should be a warning label on those sons of bitches. me off. Netflix pisses me off, that's what. I spend more time browsing than I do actually watching damn movies. 25 minutes looking through that damn menu, trying to find something cool to watch. No, I had to wait through crap upon crap on that antiquated menu, and then, according to their algorithm, I'm a 50-year-old Chechen who doesn't speak English and really enjoys subtitled rom-coms produced in the former Soviet Union. What the hell is going on with you, Netflix? Give me the movies I like when I want them. You know what's really pissing me off? People on the mean streets of the internet making these, oh, I think Pitt is going to start the season 7-0, predictions for football season. Who the hell do you guys think you are? Pitt went 5-7 and seven last season, are starting a new quarterback, and you have the audacity to say they're going to start off the year on a seven-game win streak that goes through three top 25 teams? What kind of drugs are you on, and how do I get some? I'll consider it a sigh of relief if Pitt escapes the season Opener in front of tens of hundreds of fans against Albany, (laughs) and you jabronis are saying seven and zero. We'll unpack me peeing out the window in a little bit. Coming up next, it's Chris Adamski. What's pissing him off? Probably James Franklin being named the most overrated coach in college football. It's the Crowley Show.
1: The Adam Crowley Show.
0: Crazy animal, those ducks, Adam. They always try to swim and look calm underneath, but on the surface, they're just. Back to you. Adam Crowley, the Crowman Man, on ESPN Pittsburgh. There's this graph that's flying around the interwebs right now that has all the college logos on it, and it's the four quadrants, and top left is not good academically, but outstanding party-wise. And the bottom right is the opposite of that. Or I guess the top right is the opposite. I don't know. I went to West Virginia, so I'm a dumbass. And West Virginia is like all the way at the end, party-wise and academic-wise. And who points this out to me today but our good friend Chris Adamski from the Trib. And we've been saying things that piss us off today. We do this every (laughs) Monday, Chris. And all i got to say is this. People do this to me all the time. You went to WVU. You must not be that smart. And... Man, I'm the outlier. Why are you going to lump me in with all that shiz? The broadcasting school's fine, okay? Don't rip on me. <laughs> well,
1: see, here's the thing, though. I'm it, it all, it all, it not serious. This is the right word. But the reason why I poke is because you were very outward and open and, uh, with your West virginia dumb. Uh, with WBU you, you don't you don't really hide, which is fine. If you have your pride or you just want to say it or whatever. It's not a, like you like Persuda, if I hear something from Michigan State, I immediately think of Persuda. Now I know other Michigan State alums. I don't have any, you know, for or against Michigan State. I don't know. I don't really care. But if I hear something from Michigan State and painted in an unflattering light, I immediately make fun of Persuda because he's Mr. Michigan State, <laughs> talking about Michigan State all the time. I think of West Virginia. I think more of you than like Will Graves I could have sent that to because he was just sort of you know, politely laughing or whatever, and I knew you would have some sort of other reaction.
0: I get triggered, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah
1: well, maybe I don't know. I, I mean, you're very. I, I, there's nothing wrong with you know being out out there with uh, that you're with the school you went to. That's fine. Uh, but if you do that, you're going to set yourself up for you know situations like this.
0: Yeah, the worst is I will give my prediction of all the local teams the Friday before the season starts and I'm going to pick West Virginia to be better than both just to be a jackass. And Penn State's going to be really good, I think, this year, and I'm just setting myself to get cream. But we'll get to that in a little bit. This is a perfect transition, though. We'll get what's pissing you off at the end of the segment. Uh, Maybe this is one of the things that's pissing you off, or maybe you don't care because these things don't bother you. But James Franklin being named the most overrated coach in the country despite having two nine-win seasons at Vanderbilt and then winning the Big Ten at Penn State, I mean... (laughs) Are, are, we, are we racist or are we jealous what's the problem there
1: <laughs> yeah you know it within the sort of the speaking of Om bars and whatever the, the Penn state ecosystem or whatever a couple years ago no remember it was only 22 months ago that he was a total adult in state college even uh, and it wasn't the overrated it was just like yeah, everybody's fire. him hes God, he's terrible and then went seven and six the first two years at, at Penn State remember now that was with two couple senior classes that were you know had had a 12 Full kids recruited into it, let know what was left in it, and all the other stuff at the end of the scandal and all that. So, and at the time, I didn't know, you know, it, it, it didn't look good. The product was pretty bad this first years in state college. And I'm going to get to the point you answer your question here eventually. I think it's very security's roots a lot of times in answering things. But at the time, it was everybody at Penn State thought he was adult, and then all of a sudden they beat Ohio State and miraculously somehow win nine games in a row to finish that season, that regular season at least. And then all of a sudden, he's the genius again. But at the point being is at that point I was just saying I said I don't think people understand Vanderbilt. You look look pull up College Sports Reference and go to Vanderbilt and look at the seventy years before he got there and now the four years after he's left there, and you see like you might see a handful of winning seasons in the in the last half century, other than the four years he was there when he was ranked twice and he had over that time period the second best record and think about this the second best record in the SEC. Over I believe it was a twenty game span after Alabama was Vanderbilt. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how you can even quantify it. that would be like somebody coming here and taking like Duquesne to like the Sweet Sixteen like not once but like twice. Here's uh, he, so so another
0: thing on that uh, Adamski, which I, I think absolutely bears needing to be mentioned is that they finished in the top twenty five twice and they hadn't done that in the previous sixty years at Vanderbilt.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and like I said, look what they've done since then. They're right back to being Vanderbilt after he left now. Uh, you know, there, there's a, you could say there was an outlier perhaps, maybe you got luck, you want it, but then there were two years and then forever to go right back down. It's not like they got new facilities and all of a sudden, or whatever it might be that they've, you know, on a rent, like Northwestern, uh, 22 decades ago, we had this discussion about Northwestern and all of a sudden Northwestern has become a pretty good, you know, not great program, but it's, it's, it's consistently in, in the periphery of the top 25. Vanderbilt was back to being Vanderbilt after he left. So, you always, I, I think that's more impressive than doing his doing at least with Penn State in terms of evaluating him as a football coach. Um, he has the reputation, whole, oh, you know, not a game day coach and, and more of a recruiter, to which I say, and I'm not here to defend him, but necessarily, but I guess I am, but I'm not necessarily trying to make that point. I'm just saying that. It's a means to an end, Adam. If, if the program is a top five, top ten program, if it's for Penn State now, whatever it might be, whatever it is, you win a national title. If you're delegating and if you're getting this really super talented kid that doesn't win despite your coaching or whatever it might be, uh, it's still a bottom line, right? It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's, no. It's, yeah.
0: People don't care yeah. if your coach. D- doesn't fire uh, uh, an assistant coach who was beating his wife as long as you win i mean that's, just, that, that, that's the sport and it's the ugly side of the sport but yeah, i mean yeah. it so it is absolutely a bottom line business and people say well they only beat Ohio State because of the blocked field goal. Yeah, that's part of it. I mean, are you yeah. kidding me? It's a huge part yeah. of it. So uh, I'm going to dive into this a little bit more coming up in about 10 minutes and some of the other coaches that I actually think are overrated. But James Franklin does not belong in that category. Chris Adamski from the Trib joining us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, I wanted to ask you this, too. i like to have you on to talk about some general things because I think you have a really good perspective on a lot of stuff, uh, including – ESPN's president just came out and said, sports and politics, no more. We don't want that. It's not our job. But now I think it kind of has to be just almost by default, right? I mean, Donald Trump's tweeting about the NFL. You've got flyovers at every game. Veterans are being walked out. And I don't think the military should be politicized, but oh, my God, it is. Uh, the Me Too movement shouldn't be politicized, but oh, my God, it is. And that's made its way into sports, uh, as I zip my fly up, by the way. so that. And hashtag me too to Tom. I, I think oh I think all these things now become part of just the culture of sports, and therefore, if you're going to report the news, you can't ignore it.
1: Yeah, the, 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 some of these things you know, you, you can't just ignore it and act like it's not there. I, you know, if, if you. You don't have to necessarily. I, I get it. I mean, sports is, should be an escapism because right now the news just sucks at them. Like, I don't like watching the news at all. Like, I used to enjoy the news. I used to like the regular news. Not just the sports page. You'd just be one of those, you know, sports geeks who just threw away the rest of the newspaper and grabbed, of course, what's print newspaper these days. Uh, but, you know, and just read the sports section. I like to be informed. I like to do that. But right now, man, there's nothing, everything that makes me sad or mad or, or something. So I don't like reading the news anymore. So the sports is what you could go to to do that. So I, I see the point of, and maybe that is a business decision, uh, that, you know, people like that escapism of it. However, and I, I agree, sports should be that and can be that, but you're right. You can't just act as if this isn't part of it. I don't know how deep he means by that or what kind of context he's talking about or what concrete examples he's going to give. Uh, to that, if it's, a, if it's a simple matter of you know you, you, the sportscasters can't tweet on their personal account or whatever you know politics whatever it is, or if it's we're not going to refer we to ignore it and like it doesn't happen if somebody you know whatever protest or something mad about it or the president talks about it or whatever it might be, you can't ignore it at this point. That that's just not doing your job. And forget about even being a journalist; it's just part of now the even the the story or the show of, of the of the NFL or whatever it might be. And the anthem thing is the most. Uh, prominent of that, but you can go down a lot of different ways. And yeah, was, should we talk about Urban Meyer? Because it nothing to do with X's and O's of football, no, it's right? To us. So, right.
0: And, and you look yeah. like a guy like Greg Popovich. I mean, he he goes off all the time. Stan Van Gundy used to go off all the time. He doesn't have a yeah. job anymore, but he he yeah. went off all the time. We, okay, so all right, we're just going to redact that. You're going <laughs> to you're, you're look at the transcript. It's just going to be a bunch of black ink. Uh, give me a <laughs> freaking break, uh, Chris Adamski joining us here. Uh, on the Crowley show. All right, let's get back to Pittsburgh sports now, Adamski. Uh, I think this third preseason game, as odd as it sounds, is going to mean a lot to me because we're going to see most of the defense, if not all the defense, in there for the first time. And the last taste I have in my mouth of the Steelers' defense is last year against Jacksonville, against the guy who looked like ass against Buffalo the week before, and – than what I've seen in the preseason. Now, I think that they've had their flashes in training camp, and the secondary looks like it's immensely talented, but I need to see something so that I don't go into game number one as Joe Schmo Steelers fan, uh, getting ready to drink 15 uh, you know, Bud Light ice or whatever and throw myself on a bridge.
1: Well, you did go to the number one party school that was the number whatever. Um, uh, yeah, Great academic school, too. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. great, great. If... The only only thing I'll, I'll I'll preface this with is I feel like I've been just like everybody else, and just recently too. I mean, a few years ago, remember, the, remember what did what did the Steelers lose? Twelve preseason games in a row, or whatever it was. And I get it, okay? You know, it's it, it's not totally meaningless, and you do want I, I agree with you. However, I I do even if the first team defense, you know, gets exploited, blows up, gives up five touchdowns in a row, whatever it might be. Uh, I'm still going to temper it because this is still – it doesn't necessarily correlate. We've seen it way too many times. It is not – August football does not correlate to September, which in turn, in a different way, does not correlate. There's teams every year, Seward teams and other teams that are, that are markedly different, even the same personnel, from September to December. So that, that's a whole other thing, but we talk about the preseason. However, that being said, uh, you know, I know we had a month and a half to see the Steelers without Ryan Shazier last year, or whatever. Well, I guess it was five games to the playoff game, or four and four and a half. Uh, that wasn't very good. Uh, uh, and we have that. We have a new secondary coach to, to look and see how that's being integrated in. We have to watch to see the the new personnel in the secondary and uh, John Bostic, whatever it might be. There are a lot of things to watch. Now, that aren't, it's not as simple as rolling the football out there. I think it'd be. In other words, if the offense sucked right now, what would you be talking about? The offense, if they, ben, ben goes free and out for No, but track
0: run. record has to matter, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. so that, That's kind of my right. point, is that the defense doesn't necessarily have the, the track record, especially a non-Ryan Shazier defense, which we have pretty much zero track record. And The track record we do have is not very promising in the regular season, in playoffs more particularly.
0: All right, Adamski, we've been saying what's been pissing us off. Mine from the first segment was craft beer, not because I don't love it. Uh, I like the taste. We used to do Thirsty Thursdays here on the Crowley Show. Tom stopped scheduling those. Uh, Tom's just not doing his job, but we love the craft beer. But I also hate it because I drank two this weekend, and then I drank my typical amount of pea-colored Pilsner on top of it, and I wound up. (laughs) Urinating out my own window and it totally snuck up on me. It wasn't my fault. I blame the I blame the maker. So what's what's pissing you off? What's making you mad?
1: I had similar experience by the way. Now, see, I see it going a little tangent to answer you there. Beer to me is very utilitarian. Okay, I'm against craft beer. If People want to have this craft beer. That's fine. I just figure you know the other stuff is cheaper and it's easier to consume, especially at high levels. Depending on how often, how long you want to do it for in a particular day, or how much you want to have in a day. That's neither here nor there. Since I am standing outside. The office at the Palatial uh, trip Total Media uh, headquarters right now, and I've had my computer in the hands of the uh, the fine folks here at the IT department working on it. What pisses me off is when computers don't work right and other equipment you have, and it's just really frustrating. you got to do your damn job, or you want to live your life, or you want to whatever it might be, and something breaks, and you got to get it fixed. And it could be a household appliance. I don't know what it is. But right now, I'm really angry about not having a computer that's not working and trying to get a fixed and figuring out what's wrong yeah that, that, that just pisses me off
0: okay i like that one have now <laughs> a follow-up I, I mean i i have to i mean so you've you've like peed out a window before
1: <laughs> i can know if i can confirm or deny that
0: adam boy, thanks for your time pal as always hope your computer gets fixed so you can watch that porn
1: i'll celebrate by peeing out a window
0: that's not how you'll celebrate goodbye <laughs> same thing will be in your hand though That's Chris Adamski from the Trib. I love having him Right up to the line. And you just pushed it right over at the end. Did I push it? I don't know. It was close. Okay. Well, close is good. Close is good. (laughs) That's where we want to be. I peed out the window. You did. I did. We'll get into that whenever we come back. And James Franklin, the most overrated coach in college football. Really, CBS Sports? Really? Coaches that were pulled, Really? I don't even like Penn State. It just makes me mad. There might be racism afoot. Or jealousy. Jealous racists. It's Crowley Show. The Adam Crowley Show. What happened to Cooch? I don't know how many times I'm allowed to say Cooch before I get in trouble, so... You're fine. I'm good? That's K-U-C-H. Yeah, nothing wrong with Cooch. No! Adam Crowley. Cooch be good. I love Cooch, in fact. On ESPN Pittsburgh. politics and sports they mix they do no matter what you think they do Donald Trump tweeting about the country but at the same time tweeting about the National Football League and Roger Goodell and Colin Kaepernick how's ESPN supposed to not cover that teams not going to the White House how are they supposed to not cover that Greg Popovich goes mouthing off how are they supposed to not cover that Although there is a line, I suppose. Like, you would never put a conservative talk show on a sports station. That would never happen. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. James Franklin was named the most overrated coach in college football. CBS Sports did a poll of college coaches who ranked Franklin as the most overrated. And, I mean, what are we doing here, people? Are we racist? Or are we jealous, or are we both? You know, I don't want to play the race card. I don't I don't like to do that all the time. I don't like to be one of those quote-unquote race baiters. I talk about race whenever I think it really is an issue. I doubt that it had anything to do with James Franklin not being voted or, or being voted the most overrated coach in college football. What I do think it is is jealousy. Maybe James Franklin's not the best X's and O's guy, and Joe Moorhead comes in, he's got the offense clicking at high cylinders, and he changes things. Maybe that's not his thing. But winning sure is. When you bring in enough good players, you win. And Nick Saban's always brought in good players, and his schemes have developed through time as he himself has consumed more football. But there have been times where you just look out and you say, Alabama's so overwhelmingly talented that, oh my God, they're going to beat you. I mean, they're they're going to beat you, and now they scheme you up. So that, that might be it. But here's why it's totally wrong. Vanderbilt finished in the top 25 in two of his three seasons. Vanderbilt! Nine wins and back to back years. Vandy hasn't finished in the top 25 in 60 years prior to his arrival. Vandy's 18 and 31 since he left and a poultry, oh my God, 6 and 26 in SEC play. They had the second best record in the SEC in Vanderbilt behind Alabama while he was there. Then at Penn State, it's back to back ten win seasons on the heels of all of that. I mean, what, what do I say? I mean, on the heels of all that, and the scholarship ramifications and things of that nature, now they've won ten games back to back seasons, a conference championship, and they're in the top ten this year. So he's not the most overrated coach in college sports. You know who is? Anybody? Former boss Greg Henson. It's Jim Harbaugh. Went to a Super Bowl, didn't win it. He's a good coach, don't get me wrong. What's he won in college? I'll wait. He had Andrew Luck, you win a an And One of the best quarterback prospects that we've had in decades. You win an natty? No. Now it's Stanford. He built Stanford up to be a great program. That's a job. Good for him. But David Shaw has kept the standard up. David Shaw has kept that program at the same level. So maybe Stanford was just a sleeping giant. Michigan, a giant that has been temporarily sleeping. They won 11 games with Brady Hoke not all that long ago. But he comes in and hasn't won the division. Hasn't won the division. He was 8-5 last year. That's a rousing success at Mason Blue University? No, I don't think so. And for all the pom poms and expectations coming in, he has not lived up to them. And maybe this is the year. I'm not saying fired a guy. That's not the conversation I want to have. But if you're overrating and underrating guys, that dude's overrated. Chris Peterson to me, my most underrated coach in college football. He's at Boise. Boise! And he's winning games. BCS games. Then he moves on to Washington. And he's got them contending when they hadn't in forever. Tom's in there shaking his head. He's not at Boise. You lost me on the first second there, but as always, you brought it right back because you're the best. You know what? That irritated me. I'm. Just, you, were, I, you had a little cry I, on your face. I am testy today. That irritated me. It wasn't meant as a bad thing. I was just trying to keep you honest, but you kept yourself honest. I will keep myself honest. Thank you very much. No, I forgot where he was. Thank you. Chris Peterson, Washington, killing it. <laughs> he's killing it. And... Washington they ain't done anything since the 90s either. That's like bringing Colorado all the way back and then sustaining Colorado as a power. I mean, that should mean something. So some guys are overrated, some guys are underrated. It's not that interesting a conversation to me. I bring it up because it's so erroneously wrong that there's something there. Like, you see a D-bag? Is James Franklin just a giant jackass? Sorry, shouldn't be saying those words on the radio. I'm a frat boy. But is he that bad a guy? That that's like can't vote that guy in. Is it because he made the comments about needing to have assistant coaches with hot wives? I mean, that kind of irritated me at the time. I don't happen to think James Franklin is a great dude. He seems real slimy to me. Every week it's Akron. We're playing Akron this week. Right, come on. But he can't deny what he's done. Who are some of the other overrated coaches out there? We had a spicy debate pre-show about this. Tom was trying to tell me that Bill Snyder at Kansas State's overrated. We're not even going to get into that. so overrated. You're so wrong! He's so overrated. What has he done there? They won eight games last year, and he's dead. He's dead! He's dead, and they won eight games. That's the only reason why Kansas State is relevant. People tune in to watch their games because they can see a living corpse on the sidelines coaching football. That's it. He's been wearing the same pullover since 2011 that has the Alamo Bowl logo on it for every game. Every game they play, it's the Alamo Bowl logo pullover. I wonder what kind of smell that pullover has on it. I like this game better than who's overrated and underrated. It probably smells like Stan Seferin. <laughs> no, I, I joke. I kid. It probably smells like throat lozenge. And he constantly walks around and just makes the <clears throat> noise. What is it? Werther's original. That's the one I was looking for. Stan has a bunch of those in his briefcase. Werther's? How does a 100-year-old man like that get up in front of a group of college kids and fire them up to play a football game, though? Very carefully. <laughs> Remember when Joe Pott pooped his pants running off the field? Oh, I watched that video once a week. That's got to be difficult for young Mr. Snyder to not do that. Hey, you're going to go play for the guy who just uh, asked himself on the sideline? <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm going. Yeah, like how does Kansas State <laughs> steal recruits from anybody? Like <laughs> how how is Bill Snyder coming in and just being like, Hey, you long whippersnapper, you should come down to Kansas State and let me teach you how to play football the right way. He just beat cancer, too. Did he really? He did. <laughs> All right, maybe he's not overrated. I promise you as many butterscotch as you want if you come to play for me. If you score me a touchdown, I'll give you a nice shiny nickel. I'll he... pat you on the head. Whoa, NCAA violation. That is an oh, NCAA, NCAA violation. violation. An NCAA. Oh, you can't right. be doing That's that. Oh, you right. can't <laughs> be oh, giving no. nickels. Bill I don't Snyder. think you can even give him worthers. No, you can't do it with a shiny nickel. What you have to do is, like, wear down the nickel, then hand it to a booster, then the booster will then hand the nickel to you. That's how that works. Shiny like that that draws attention. <laughs> Bill Snyder's football team still's pl- still plays football like it's nineteen sixty. They don't throw the ball. It's it's all option. Quarterback run. Colin uh, Klein ran a, ran five thousand people over en route to them being number three in the country a couple a handful of years ago. I was gonna say that exact point. I think their last big run, they passed the ball twice a game. Like they passed the ball less than Navy and Army do. How can you not beat that team? He's so he's actually underrated now, I've decided. Yeah, Bill Snyder, hell of a coach yeah, hell of a talking coach. about. Hell of a coach. Brian Kelly. Oh, that's a good one. He got his team to a natty. He they got smoked. They got destroyed. He made Cincinnati relevant. That that matters. He's a good coach, but the conversation's not who's a good coach. It's who's the most overrated coaches, and Brian Kelly gets all the Golden Domer recruits. Oh, my God, we love Notre Dame. Did you go there? No, I'm Irish. Okay, whatever. He gets all those people that buy in hook, line, and sinker. He gets great talent, and eh, eh. and he's a douche. I mean, he's a grade A butthead. He also always gets like the top quarterbacks in each class, and they always underachieve. Like they never play up to the potential. The guy who went to the national championship, Golson, he was pretty well for one year, but then they kicked him out of school because he was cheating. So, and he's supposed to be like some quarterback guru, right? Like he's that's his forte is coaching quarterbacks, but they all underachieve at Notre Dame. He also killed that kid. He killed a kid. The kid who was up on murder, yeah, up top, he was filming the practice. He's a, he's a jerk, and if I were Notre Dame, and Notre Dame's supposed to be a Catholic institution, but Notre Dame is supposed to be this beacon of all things that are good about college football, right? Like Bino Cook. Bino Cook loved Notre Dame. Notre Dame, right? They're not that. You can't be that with the guy who gets red after every single negative play. I'm, I'm shooting him up the board. That's the guy. Brian Kelly, overrated. Coming up next, Mike Tomlin overrated? It's an odd question, because some think he should be gone already. But the way he's handled the defense over the last couple of years leave me scratching my head. We'll get to that. And Ryan Shazier walking out of the tunnel. It's a Crowley show.